All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Active Measures with Dustin Mascaro. My name is, of course, Dustin. And uh, what are we going to talk about today? Well, at the top of the show, I want to say thank you to everyone who has been supporting uh, Active Measures. You know, you guys have been hitting up that support link over on the Venmo, and uh, and I really appreciate it. That means a lot to me. It's uh, it's nice to see uh, you know positive response and and folks uh, folks believing in what we're doing here because it is a mission of education and it's not totally free. So. Thanks everybody. This is a this is a group effort. So uh, a few things we're going to talk about today. Uh, number one is going to be there's a there's a federal court ruling that says uh, big tech has no uh, no First Amendment right to censor something to that effect. And then uh, over in over in psychological operations land, there's a there's a big article that came out of the Washington Post, um, and we're going to talk about that as well as the uh, the source for this news story and kind of some of the key takeaways and, and things that I want to uh, things that I want to bring up and discuss, uh, not only from a, not only from like a style standpoint and from a, you know, from a I maybe I do things a little different than the, the guys and gals are doing it nowadays, but uh, uh, maybe some pro tips. So if you know anybody out there still in the regiment, uh, send them over to this page because uh, it, it may be it may be useful. And then uh, talk about the author of the article for a moment as well, because it is worth a, a discussion as she uh, does have some history kind of in the subject matter. And without further ado, let me let me see if this is going to work. All right, we'll go ahead and start with uh, start with the first story. Get the wrong one pulled up there, but it's over from Fox News a couple days ago uh, by a lady named Brianna Hurley, 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 something like that. Um, she says that uh, we have a headline here that a federal court rules that big tech has no quote freewheeling First Amendment right to censor, and this decision is uh, upholding a Texas law which limited, apparently, according to the uh, little subhead here, the right of social media companies to squash online opinions. Now, um, this is primarily targeting uh, Twitter and Facebook or now Meta, whenever I think the suit was started, Facebook was still called Facebook and not Meta, but uh, suing the parent company there. So uh, this is this is a law that she says is challenging uh, House Bill 20 in Texas that was signed into law by uh, Texas Governor Greg Abbott, which regulates social media platforms with more than 50 million monthly users, including Google, Facebook, and Twitter. Uh, Google's rolled up in that because recall, uh, YouTube is actually considered a social media platform uh, for, for what it's worth there. So uh, they say they cannot censor or limit users' speech based on viewpoint expression. So that's a pretty important case, and hopefully hopefully it continues. Hopefully it continues in the future. Uh, you know, we, we've been talking about it. it. was on an early episode of this show, a particular case in uh, involving uh, anti-war demonstration or anti-war protest at an air show where the cops uh, told these people they had to leave and then uh, ultimately found out that the organizers of the air show uh, were not able to do that. They were using, uh, they were functioning as a state entity by their enforcement of, uh, of anti-free speech uh, regulations or guidelines, at least according to the court case. It was in the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals, I believe. Or, uh, yeah, yeah, Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals. I don't have the reference offhand, but go back and look in the early episodes. We we talk about that case in depth. So good news, good news on that one. Hopefully uh, this will finally, this will go to the Supreme Court, like no doubt, no doubt in my mind. This is a big, big free speech case. This will, uh, this will wind up in front of the Supreme Court, which given the current composition of the court, I think they're going to ultimately rule in favor of the U.S. citizen, uh, hopefully on this one for uh, First Amendment and keep these uh, tech platforms from suppressing outlets that they do not uh, think are friendly to the cause. 
All right, let's move on over here to this Washington Post story. So this has been a big news in my my professional and social circles. Uh, a lot of discussion points to to be made here, but uh, there's a headline from Washington Post. They say it's an exclusive again from a couple days ago. Uh, Pentagon opens sweeping review of clandestine psychological operations. So apparently, according to Ellen Nakashima, complaints about the U.S. military's influence operations using Facebook and Twitter have raised concern in the White House as well as federal agencies. Now, just at the top here, I don't know... Uh, I don't know what anybody else has uh, read on this story, or maybe what the, some of the memes that have been uh, memes that have been going around about it. But this is this article is not saying that the United States government is conducting psychological operations against its own citizens. That is not the argument that is being made here. This is uh, primarily uh, overseas audiences, overseas issues, et cetera, so on and so forth. So I just have to get that out of the way. Um, all right. So let's see. Uh, she says here that the Pentagon ordered this sweeping review. Uh, they consider that the online fake accounts are suspected of being run by U.S. the military in violation of platform rules, like uh, platform rules against inauthentic user behavior. So this is uh, based off a study that we're going to get into here in a minute from Graphica and the Stanford Internet Observatory. Um, they didn't directly attribute any of the sham accounts to the U.S. military, but according to the author, uh, officials familiar with the matter said that U.S. Central Command is among those whose activities are facing scrutiny. Um, and, you know, you'll, you'll see why it's going to be pretty evident here in a minute when we get into some of the content and, uh, and activities. And uh, she says here that people had to speak on conditions of anonymity. I don't know. The reporter didn't reach out to me to talk about inauthentic uh, user activity online conducted by the government. Not that I would know anything about that, but... No, I mean, seriously, it's uh, just something I never had to do professionally. But uh, in this in the private sector, I, I have seen uh, seen the positive and negative impacts of that. So that's really what they were. Uh, that's really what they were trying to determine with this study is kind of the efficacy of inauthentic user, uh, inauthentic user activity, like uh, using bot accounts and things like that. Maybe the uh, maybe the juice isn't worth the squeeze. But they say that CENTCOM headquartered in Tampa, Florida, has purview over military operations over 21 countries, and they have declined to comment, at least as of the publishing of this article. I didn't see any updates when I refreshed it. So um, Pentagon Press Secretary says the military's information operations activities uh, are designed to support our national security priorities, and uh, they also have to comply with relevant laws and policies, and they are committed to enforcing those uh, safeguards. Now, uh, Twitter and Facebook, at least according to the author, have declined to comment on this, and sure, why would they comment? They don't want to, uh, they don't want to admit that any nation state is engaged in influence operations on their platform, because that's going to dissuade users from engaging with that platform. You know, I mean, if you... If if you make the argument uh, long enough and loud enough that, hey, 94% of the traffic on Twitter is just bots and dummy accounts, uh, maybe you should stop using it, then that's going to have a real financial impact on uh, Twitter shareholders and, of course, their uh, ongoing acquisition deal with Elon Musk. So mm -mm -mm. we'll get into some of the specifics. She, she goes into some of the specifics in this article. So if you want to read through it, uh, I'll post the link in the description as always. Even if you're listening to the audio version of this, uh, look down in the description and you'll find, uh, you'll find a link to this Washington Post story. Um, all right. Pretty interesting story. Heads are going to roll, apparently. That's the, uh, that's the word on the street <laughs> from my buddies who uh, still live in the area, you know, and are aware of what's going on in, in PSYOP land. But uh, let's see, there was one, I think there was one other thing I wanted to get in here. If not, then we will, we will move on to that report because it was pretty, pretty in-depth. Uh, it's 50, 57 pages, I think it was. Um, yeah, 
the message was essentially you have to justify to me why you're doing these types of things re with regard to uh, inauthentic user activity on online platforms. Uh, they, they say here that Pentagon policy and doctrine discourages the military from peddling falsehoods, uh, but there are no specific rules mandating the use of truthful information for psychological operations. Now, uh, they're getting in, they're, they're threading a very fine needle there because, uh, yes, there is no legal requirement that U.S. influence, informant influence, or psychological operations or whatever uh, has to be round, uh, grounded in any sort of truth. That's where you have the, the three divisions in psychological operations, gray, white, and black, um, based on their attributability to the United States, and black, of course, being uh, the, the most clandestine version of that where uh, attribution is never acknowledged by the U.S. And do we do those things? I'm sure we do those things. Do we do them very regularly? No, because of the sensitivity. Um, and this is, uh, we're going to get in some of those style points here in a minute where <laughs> where the operator uh, running these campaigns can, can do a little bit better. Um, so then there was a warning from Facebook's director of global threat disruption. Uh, he talked to then assistant director for special operations and low intensity combat conflict, a uh, fellow named Chris Miller, uh, and he told them that that Facebook had discovered essentially, hey, you guys are running these like uh, 15 programs, right? And the Solik, the Solik guy was like, uh, I try to keep it a family show, so I don't want to say that too loud, but you can go back and listen to me swear. Um, <laughs> he said if the if Facebook could sniff them out, then U.S. adversaries uh, certainly could find out that these are U.S. operations. And that's a uh, and then they, they said that his point was, guys, you got caught. That's a problem. Now I kind of debate that point because one of the, one of the reasons, one of the reasons why we do inform and influence activities or psychological operations online, uh, is to, um, you know, is to target a, target a certain group of people. And it's not necessarily like, like if I'm doing a PSYOP campaign on Twitter or something like that, my goal is not to influence necessarily a Russian, my Russian you know, counterpart or the, the person doing the same job as me in another country, right? Like I'm looking at a very different target audience. So we've seen several instances where even like pages on Facebook, uh, there was a, there was a horrifying stat that like something like nine out of 10 of these, uh, you know, Christian, Christian positive energy, uh, political pages or whatever, how you want to categorize them. I'll go find the, I'll go find the, uh, the official term later, but, uh, they were, they were run by Russians. There's, you know, similar evidence that, uh, some of the, some of the black lives matter adjacent groups that we saw crop up online, particularly on social media were also being run by Russians and they weren't necessarily, uh, and, and, you know, even if the people, even if the people who are on those pages found out, uh, you can, you could tell them till you're blue in the face and they're probably not going to believe you. That's a, it's a very big problem, uh, with changing somebody's beliefs or with trying to, trying to influence their beliefs is that, uh, you, you find that they are often deeply entrenched and they, and they may not be necessarily vulnerable or susceptible to the argument that you're trying to make, uh, in that case. So, mm-mm-mm. I think that was it. I think that was it on this one. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, if you get caught, if you get caught, so what? Uh, what's Russia going to do? Go on Facebook and say that the United States is trying to change people's minds? <laughs> like, okay. I don't know how I don't know how effective of a line that's going to be. All right, and then briefly uh, before we move on to this presentation, uh, I do want to get into it because it's going to take me a while to make the points that I want to make. I'm sorry, bear with me. Uh, hopefully, you find this stuff interesting because this is like super inside baseball. And you know, a decade ago, uh, whenever I was still in service, you you wouldn't you wouldn't have been able to you wouldn't have been able to find any of this information online. Like we did not have these public conversations. Do I think it's a good thing we're having them? I don't know. Debatable. We'll see in the future. Um, so. 
Ellen Nakashima, you can see there on the screen, she's a national security reporter, various degrees, uh, very well educated, uh, you know, went to college in London, went to Berkeley, great, you know, fancy Wahoo. Uh, she, it says here on her bio that she has probed Russia's efforts to influence the outcome of the 2016 presidential election and contacts between aides to President Trump and Russian officials, uh, work which led her and her colleagues to win a Pulitzer Prize in 2018. Now, that Pulitzer Prize is particularly uh, controversial as it, it came out later that uh, everything they were claiming had happened had not happened uh, and that uh, the indictments were not immediate and Trump wasn't going to be uh, marched out of the White House in handcuffs or any sort of fantastical notions like that that we were, uh, that we were being told by mainstream media outlets for uh, five years at least. Um, and then... <laughs> And then uh, she's also done work on government surveillance and its policy implications, of course. Uh, but she works for a statist, uh, statist paper. Mm, all right. And she's been there since 1995. So good for her. Um, these people are so anti-Trump. They're so uh, anti-Russian that sometimes they can't see the forest for the trees or at least acknowledge uh, when they have made a mistake. But that's neither here nor there. She's certainly entitled to this interesting article. And with that, let's get on to the other one. Let me get it pulled up here. So this is what they're talking about. This is the entire sourcing document that's causing this massive policy review across the Department of Defense for uh, clandestine psychological operations, as the article puts it. Um, and, it and it's titled here, uh, Unheard Voice, Evaluating Five Years of Pro-Western Covert Influence Operations. Uh, by, of course, Graphica, which I guess is a, an organization out there, and uh, also the Stanford Internet Observatory Cyber Policy Center. So... Uh, Pretty, pretty interesting. Let me get it pulled up over here on my end. So uh, a few things I wanted to bring up in here. That's uh, going to screw up the view. Um, so the, we'll, we'll just start with the executive summary. So for those of you who are seeing this, hopefully you can read it. I don't know. It might be, a, might be too small unless you full screen this bad boy. But again, the link is in the description below uh, directly to this report. So you can read it for yourself. It is an interesting read, about 50, 60 pages. So uh, starting in July and August 2022, Twitter and Meta removed two overlapping sets of accounts for violating their platform's terms of service. And Twitter had said that the accounts fell foul of its policies on what they call uh, platform manipulation and spam. Um, so sounds like bots, right? Because it is. Uh, while Meta said that the assets on its platforms engaged in coordinated and authentic behavior. That's the, that's the whiz-bang term for it. Let me zoom in on that so I can read it. Mm, I got a new mouse, so it's a little sensitive. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see. Can you guys still see that? Yeah, it's a little better. Okay. Um, so according to this joint investigation, they found an interconnected web of accounts on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, as well as five other social media platforms that are primarily uh, regionally and language-based. We'll, we'll get to what they are here in a minute. Um, tactics to promote pro-Western narratives in the Middle East and Central Asia. And the platform's data sets appear to converge on a series of covert campaigns over a period of almost five years rather than one homogenous operation. That makes sense. You know why? Because uh, the rotations. <laughs> Those of you who are still in the business, you know what the rotation cycle is, so uh, that's that's usually when things start to change. So uh, it says the campaigns consistently advance narratives promoting the interest of the United States and its allies while opposing China, Russia, and Iran, and the uh, accounts heavily criticized Russia in particular for the deaths of innocent civilians and other atrocities that soldiers committed in pursuit of the Kremlin's imperial ambitions. And a portion of the activity also promoted anti-extremism messaging uh, and then would promote uh, U.S. government 
government-funded media outlets such as Voice of America and Radio Free Europe, and then two, and then also promoted links to websites that were sponsored by the U.S. military. Uh, think about you know Vo- Voice of America and Radio Free Europe. Um, <laughs> So uh, Facebook and Meta didn't share any of the technical details of their investigation. They basically just gave them the executive summary like I'm giving to you now before we dive into this. But uh, it is important to point out that the, the main takeaway from this uh, from the study was that uh, inauthentic, inauthentic user activity doesn't work. Um, it can work to manipulate the uh, it can work to manipulate the, the algorithm uh, from, you know, from a functional standpoint. And that if you have 100,000 accounts retweeting something that you may be able to get it as a trending topic, we see that. Uh, happen on Twitter quite frequently. I'm sure it happens on other platforms as well. Um, and uh, they they go over some of the regions, uh, and you know they say that it's essentially not uh, the juice is not worth the squeeze when it comes to uh, relying on inauthentic tactics. Um, so interesting, interesting diversion in strategy for a moment. All right, let me let me close let me close that because if I if I pull up all my bookmarks, it'll it will screw up the uh, screw up the display there. Do do do. All right. Now I can get it pulled up because this, if I if I scroll through it while you guys are looking at it, you know you're going to be uh, puking in a trash can over there. Um, so let's first take a look at what they call in this uh, in this examination uh, major groupings of of online of online activities or or uh, online sentiments, what what have you. Da-da-da. Let me get it all centered and zoomed up so you guys can. See what we're looking at. There we go. So <clears throat> uh, we see here there's a, there's a community network map. This is basically who's who in the zoo of uh, Twitter asset followers. And uh, the color represents major community groupings, they say here. And the distance reflects the network's proximity with accounts appearing close so that they followed that or that they follow and that they follow back, right? They have mutuals. Um, so you can see there, there's Iranian other anti-Iranian regime messaging, uh, Iranian pro-regime accounts, and then Afghanistan-related accounts, Iraq-related accounts, and Saudi Arabia-related accounts. Recall that CENTCOM is the uh, is the one who's getting their, uh, getting their PP slapped here on this one. <laughs> um, all right, I'm going to have to scroll. Okay, and then uh, another thing that they looked at on this was that the posting volume by group uh, tweets are represented in light blue on this article or on this uh, on this little chart here. And then it says that Instagram poster in purple, Facebook poster in dark blue. So you can see uh, looks like light blue, at least to my eyes. Uh, light blue is the primary platform. So that's Twitter. Uh, whenever you hear people complaining on Twitter about how all the accounts are fake, well, they're probably not wrong. And this is good evidence that, you know, if the United States is involved in it, uh, to this extent, then other countries certainly are as well. We know the Chinese certainly have a have an extensive bot network that they operate to manipulate public conversation on any number of things. Um, and you can see the primary topic areas were for uh, Afghanistan, uh, was that Central Asia, Iran, and then the Middle East? Um, there's a few of these graphics that I want to get to. This is an interesting one from a style standpoint. When I was talking about, I was going to uh, comment on uh, on some of the methodology that that the uh, the, the concerned uh, groups were using here. If you look at their posting uh, posting times from an hour and minute perspective, uh, they generally posted between the hours of uh, twelve and eighteen hundred GMT. And you know, does that does that align with the most popular posting times in those respective areas where they're hoping to influence? Well, probably. 
not. Otherwise, this would have been a, a more difficult aberration to detect because if, if you consolidate, if you if you're working in the United States or you're working in you know wherever in the world, and you're and you're supposed to be uh, operating in the information environment in a different time zone, you need to understand what's happening in that time zone, what the pattern of life is, what the tweet volume or the social media posting and engagement frequency is. Uh, you know, like for instance, this video is coming out several hours later than previous videos. And as a result, I'm expecting uh, pretty dramatically different engagement numbers uh, simply based on uh, you, you guys, the audience, your user habits. And, you know, I mean, if you, if you catch it a day or two later, that's cool. I appreciate it. Um, I'm not I'm not doing the same kind of study here. I'm just trying to spread the good word, as it were. So pay attention to when you're posting, if you're posting in a different time zone, because otherwise you're going to get yourself into some trouble. It's easy to pick out when you are. And then uh, what this chart here is showing, uh, these are radar charts that they call, they call radar charts, showing uh, post by minute in any given hour for assets in the Afghan group uh, and Central Asia group. And then, uh, and then it shows by the second they're posting in the first. Uh, these accounts were often posting in the first few seconds of the first minute of any, uh, of any posting. And what does that mean? What does that indicate? Well, it indicates very strongly that they're using some sort of automated software. Think like a TweetDeck or, or Hootsuite or, or anything, uh, anything like that out there. You know, some commercially available software that a lot of public relations firms and advertising and marketing agencies rely on in order to schedule tweets. Because guess what? You can't do as a as an account executive, you know, managing ten or fifteen different clients' social medias on a daily basis. You can't sit there and post all those things in real time. There's simply not enough hours in the day. So you have a little calendar that you develop inside your office. And you and you uh, and you come up with the, the times and the schedules, and that should be in alignment, ideally, with your target audience's most active using times uh, for that particular platform, because you want you want the maximum number of eyeballs to be seeing that, and it also assumes that they have things set up to be showing in a chronological order, if that's even possible. Like on Facebook, it's not possible. All right. Let's see, where were we? Let me get it pulled back up over here. Um, so pretty interesting, you know, pay attention to when you're posting. If you're going to, uh, if you're going, if you're going to be posting stuff that is, uh, that is uh, run by bots, maybe, maybe break up the times a little bit, maybe have a little variation from day to day. So that doesn't just, uh, appear to be as inauthentic as it truly may be. Um, and then they talk about a, a group here called, uh, what are they? Uh, factor, factor graph. Um, that's what it says in Russian. Um, and then, what were they running? 12, 12 Twitter accounts, 10 Facebook pages, 15 Facebook profiles, 10 Instagram accounts. Uh, and they were operating uh, also on Telegram, YouTube, and then the social media platforms that Russians use, uh, VK, and then uh, Odno Klasniki, which is first classers. I mean, it's like, like I don't know, kind of like you're, you're saying you're part of the bougie crowd. You know, you're, you're a first class type individual. By golly, you want to use a first class social media platform. So I think that's where the screenshot is from. Yeah, it says this is from uh, Factograph on Adno Klasniki. Um, and it primarily targeted Russian-speaking Central Asian audiences. They said that they were going to debunk misinformation, um, things like that. There's some of their other pieces of content um, that didn't really that didn't really get any uh, major traction. That's been one of the one of the major concerns that they're the, well. These two examples did get traction. I'm sorry, but uh, the majority of the posts didn't receive <laughs> hardly any engagement. Uh, they talk about the the, ta the tactics, techniques, and procedures here. Um, and they call they call this little section fake news, fake faces, and fake followers. Now this is an interesting uh, interesting thing to examine. Let me get to the let me get to the right one. 
we have some uh, we have some images here. So we talk a lot about deep fakes. I've talked a lot about deep fakes in the past. And you have here uh, is a, an image of an individual from a Central Asia campaign where they used a, a horribly doctored picture. Uh, somebody just put this thing into Photoshop and started pulling and started pulling this lady's face around, um, showing actor Valeria Menendez uh, as its profile picture and the asset. Uh, that used this image was listed as the contact for Intergazetta's VK page. And Intergazetta was another uh, another one of these so-called uh, truth platforms that was operating in Russian-speaking social media environments. So, uh, guys, if you're going to use a doctored photo of somebody else's face, uh, do a better job than that. What you see there, what you see there on the left, uh, the left-hand side, it, it looks like a fake picture because it is a fake picture. Um, not a not a good one. All right, lost in translation. There's some bad translations uh, from Ukrainian language articles. Um, yeah. All right. Just a just a poorly designed concept overall. Uh, coordinated and copycatted content. So you'll find uh, multiple pages are sharing the exact same information, uh, largely with the same type of text. They'll be sharing the same memes uh, with their own logo on it. So this goes again back to your campaign and your operational design. Uh, you don't want to have you don't want to have the same logo across three, or you don't want to have different logos on three different of the same products, uh, particularly if they're speaking to the same languages or if throughout the course of social media they're likely to uh, to intersect audiences, as it were. Now, don't get it wrong. Don't get me wrong. I'm all about like leveraging old content or, you know, old, old templates and stuff to make a new product uh, or something like that. But you definitely, you definitely need to tailor and specify these things to the area. You can't just, you can't just copy and paste because you're going to get caught. And it's a, it's bad workmanship on your part. You know, have a, have a little more pride in what you're doing for, as from a, from an influence operations perspective. And that goes for the green suitors and the contractors as well. Like, you know, do better guys. Come on. Otherwise, I mean, I guess, you know, if you keep doing better, then I'm not going to have anything to talk about. Uh, all right. These are some uh, some online polls and telegram groups and stories. Uh, here's some more of the memes where they're, they're showing a, a uniting uh, a uniting of peoples uh, between Kazakhstan and Ukraine. Um, you know, that maybe that one's working a little bit. I guess Kazakhstan is uh, leaving the CSTO right now. Uh, that's Russia's kind of alternative to NATO, although they don't have a they don't have as many uh, many years in combat under their belts. Uh, they talk about America being the best ally for countries like Tajikistan uh, and Afghanistan. They says uh, the the meme on the the meme on the left there says that the uh, the the United States gave millions of dollars uh, to to defend the border uh, with Afghanistan. I guess it was a organ or targeting an audience in Tajikistan. So. You know, I mean, they're making an argument there. It's not necessarily a good one. I think uh, less of a problem with the the products that they're making, and more of a more of a problem with the design of their uh, the design of their dissemination. Um, you know, should have tightened up the shot group a little bit more. I uh, say Russia Russian groups loom large. <laughs> uh, Russia's not going to write. Uh, Russia's not going to write the the freedom story of Central Asia. I, I think is what that says there. I'm sure you guys are better readers of Russian than I am. It's been many years. Um, you can you can figure out what that one is. Oh, it says below a post about Russia's imperialism in Central Asia. Yeah. That's all. I mean, this is all pretty standard boilerplate stuff like the, you know, zero points for creativity, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Whoever's out here making this. These are, these are bad memes. Uh, I, I question whether or not the individuals who have been making these are actually liberals, perhaps, because as we all know, the left can't meme, and this is further evidence of the fact. Um, 
looking at some of the Ruski Mir. Ruski Mir saying that you know uh, the, uh, the the concept of this uh, of this Russian world or Russian society that needs to be reunited is uh, is is really fascist in origin and uh, or or at least uh, or at least pretty extreme in its origin. That's why they have the the ZZ instead of the CC. Z notably is not a letter in the Russian alphabet. Uh, Imperial Russian narratives, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, these are terrible. These are not good. There's too much going on. They're too busy. This looks like somebody made it in PowerPoint. You know, do we really need the the giant the giant red arrows there? I think there's a I think there's a better way probably to to display that. All right, talking about Wagner Group a little bit, of course. Hold on, let me get let me get out here. I'm I'm halfway through this thing, but they had a note on uh on deep fakes, more on deep fakes that I wanted to get to. Mm. Oh yeah, it was down in the down in the section about Iran. So they go over, of course, Central Asia, Iran, Afghanistan, and the Middle East. Um, there was some more of those uh, artificially artificially generated uh, faces that they they kind of pick apart, and I was going to show you guys some things to look out for. Um, where was it? <laughs> this is hard to look at. That's uh, yeah, that one lady. My eyes are my eyes will catch this eventually. That's what I get for reading through this thing over a couple of days and, and not finishing out my bookmarks because it's a uh, it's not a very not a very easy process. Oh, here we go. All right. So this lady is a good example of kind of the issues whenever you're doing uh, when you're doing an authentic online online activity, you're pretending to be somebody you're not. You're uh, you're making an AI generated face to to represent yourself or or uh, some cause that you're you're advocating for. Uh, it's a good example. You can see uh, a few issues. Number one is the placement of the eyes actually on the screen and kind of what is what is known as the center line of your face. Um, it's very consistent across these AI generated images. They show uh, on the right hand side. If you're just listening to this, there's an overlay. Uh, you know, kind of. Uh, of several images. I don't know if they say how many, uh, two, uh, they have the, the same profile AI generated profile picture. And then a couple of other images overlaid on top. And you can see that a few features fall directly in line. Now it's not just due to consistent photography or, or good, good photography basics. It's actually due to how these images are generated. Um, the eyes in particular will stay in the same spot, kind of the center line, the center line of your face being your eyes, your nose, your mouth, uh, and, and your chin, I guess, to a lesser extent, if you have one and not a beard are all going to be pretty much in the same line. And you can see uh, that that not only is evidence that this may be an inauthentically generated image, but also um, that you know it could be a composite of several other images. A few of the other areas to look out for in these uh, AI-generated uh, images or faces is, of course, the it's the teeth, it's the ears. Uh, they haven't quite been able to perfect those. There's another example of a fella, not one of the NAFO fellas. I stirred the pot with that one. People didn't like that. All right, here's another example of this fake fella. Uh, he is a, uh, a Facebook page uh, called Discoverer. Uh, it was also used as two other assets in Middle Eastern groups. And the uh, issues with the left ear and central alignment of the eyes, once again, like we mentioned, you can see how you can see how his head is his head is turned slightly, but the uh, the the perspective on his eyes doesn't necessarily change the way it would if I you know say for instance I turn my head slightly that way. Um, he doesn't have 
have the he doesn't have the same type of uh, same type of movement going on there, meaning that it's a composite image. Highly likely, also another area to look out for uh, is the hairline up there. It doesn't look like it makes any sense because it's not a real hairline, of course. And then uh, some of the ratios here. Everybody can have a bad hair day, you know. Like I can, I, I'm not wearing a hat today, so I could have a bad hair day. But uh, that is not what is going on here. And then over on his ear, what they're talking about uh, is being problematic. Is that that does not look like the inside of an ear. They got the outside part of it right, and they got the uh, the first line uh, where yeah they got the they got the first line on the inside right, but then they didn't get this uh, this inside of the ear part correct. Um, so again, further evidence that this is a a uh, artificially generated image. So keep those things in mind if you uh, <laughs> you're the type of person who is going out and doing this stuff. Um, Pretty interesting to read through. I think uh, that's going to be it for us today. I'm a little bit over time. So I encourage everybody to go through, read that article. Um, read the article from the Washington Post, even though, you know, whatever, I don't know. Don't pay them for it. Figure out a way to get it for free. Uh, do it in, in private browsing or something. Uh, but get that article from them. And then also uh, check out the report from Stanford and Graphica. Very, very interesting stuff. Uh, can't can't wait to uh, continue to read more about it, although I wish we wouldn't. But really, what is the main takeaway? It's that inauthentic user, uh, inauthentic user activity online doesn't work. Fake bots and profiles don't work. You're going to be stirring the pot a little bit, but you're not going to be developing the same kind of organic following that you would if you were a legitimate personality who's just presenting themselves as, hey, I'm here as a spokesman and representative for whatever organization is out there, and uh, here's the story, now let's talk about it. Uh, instead of trying to hide behind fake accounts and profiles, files it does a lot better when you just own up to it um, does that mean that there's not a place for this type of thing to occur no um, you can certainly cause issues for other people if you act in the right way on the right place at the right time those of you who troll uh, other people's pages you know that that of course can uh, can can be effective and there's a way to auto do some automation in your trolling and not just uh, not just have to not just have to pay some creative 13 year old <laughs> right zingers for you um but you know all right guys that's gonna be it i hope everybody enjoyed it uh i want to i man i could talk about this stuff all day so maybe we'll keep talking about it for some more uh days if you all have any questions or comments concerns rude remarks whatever the case may be um you know go ahead and throw those in there and again thank you to everyone who supported the show we could not do this without you guys this uh the support has been absolutely phenomenal and uh, if you enjoy what we're hearing what you're talking about uh go ahead and share it with a friend uh, make sure you leave a review on itunes or spot Spotify or whatever you're watching this on that helps us out in the algorithms. I see people have been leaving iTunes reviews. I really appreciate it. Uh, except for the guy who gave us one star, uh, zero stars for you, sir or ma'am. And uh, other, than other than that, until next time, catch you later.